0: Hello, and welcome back to Life of a Polyglot, the podcast for language learners. This is the first episode for the month of February this year, 2020. And I've decided that after those first two introductory episodes, just so people could get to grips with the podcast, what, what I'm offering, um, whether you like it, whether you want to continue listening, um, I've made a few changes to the way the podcast is going to work some of the things I'm including, etc. Um, and if you haven't actually yet had a chance to listen to those first two episodes and you're just new to the podcast right now, I would definitely recommend you go check it out. Although I would, um, well, I should really, um, apologise for the sound quality in advance. Just to, just a little heads up there. Um, going forward, I've decided that actually I'm going to start my episodes tri-monthly just because I think bi-monthly is a little too long to wait just to keep you guys with something to listen to Um, and weekly in the long run is just unachievable for me Um, mainly because I don't know how on earth I would fill uh, 5 20 minutes episodes a month just if I'm mainly doing my language diary um, my news stories relating to my and I should note this is the start of the first season officially. Uh, I'll talk more about that later. Uh, yeah, my news stories, language diary, and words of the month. Um, I talked before about holding off doing Apple course reviews, but I have one scheduled for the next episode. I've just started putting it together, and um, once I see how long it takes for research, editing, recording, all of that is good stuff um we'll see how long it takes as to whether i do one every month or one every two months just because um i think for that kind of segment i might fill almost an entire episode and just do my language diaries i think on the end um because i want to really go in depth with that in depth with that um and i and i kept on saying for my new stories i would go more in depth just to really think about the implications for the of the news for us as language learners um and it that's pretty much it um yeah so i'm starting a new season with this episode uh, and for each season however long it lasts it might be a month two months the rest of this year i don't know um i'm going to have a theme for both my words of the month and for my news story and my language diary so any questions I'm answering will all relate to this theme um, and it, if there's any breaking language news um, I'll obviously cover that first before any news relating to the theme um, but wherever I can I will try and cover news relating to that theme. So for the first February episode I'm going to do my word of the month, obviously, my language diary and a new story, hopefully relating to my first season theme, which is food. So, now I've caught you up on my plans for the podcast uh, and what to expect from this episode, let's go right on in to the episode with my word of the month for February relating to my season theme of food, which is culinary So, like I said before, my word of the month for February is culinary. So, let's get into it. So, the word culinary is, well, we can assume from Latin, most words are, but uh, it has very direct links to the word colina, which is a cookhouse or stove, which is from Latin. And colina also has very direct links to the verb coquere, which means to cook, also from Latin So. We can fairly safely assume it's of Latin origin. Um, the first known use is in 1638, although there's a bit out of ambiguity uh, between sources about this. Some of some say it's um, between um, it. Some some say it could be as early as the 14th century when similar words like uh, cookery, for example, were first used. But it could be as late as the seven. 16th uh, century, so there's quite a lot of ambiguity about that. Um, but the fact that it's such a specific date would make would lead me to le- believe that we can trust that date as the 1638. Um, it's throughout time uh, had um, quite an interesting popularity trend and I'm quite interested to see when I do more words relating to this food, to the whether they follow similar or completely different popularity trends throughout time. And I think that was the main goal with this little mini feature in the word of the month feature and the reason I decided to do it. Um, Relating to, uh, well it's case insensitive, this is uh, for the use of culinary in books, Um, but it spiked 17 years after its inception in 1638. We have a five year period where it's used in one hundredth um, of one one hundredth of all uh, books produced at the time, which is quite a remarkable feat, uh, from 1655 to 1660, um, and then it spikes again in 1780, 1800, 1835, and most recently in 2006. And at each of those times, um, it does spark to a similar level as that 1655 to 1665 year period where it was used in almost one one hundredth or almost two hundredths of all books written. So that I think that's quite a remarkable feat for a word which is not in everyone's everyday vocabulary, not something that you expect to see a lot. Uh, I should note this only counts, it doesn't count individual uses for all in terms of If it was used, say, 100,000 times in relation to the words in all books published, which might be hundreds of millions, this only relates to, is it used in this book? That's one out of all the books that are written. um, Something that's quite interesting is that whenever it has a spike, quite soon afterwards, it will have a dip um, in popularity just because people have exhausted, possibly... All books they could write relating to food and culinary things. Um, so in 1662, there was a, quite a significant um, crash, so to speak, in the popularity of culinary. Um, again, in 1785, after the spike of 1780, and 1810, after the spike of 1800, um, and in each of these dips or crashes in popularity, it dips even below what was the norm um, since its inception, again in 1640, from 1640 to 2008. Okay, um, that's as far forward as any of these records go. Um, yes, yeah, so those dips go below the average <laughs> use of the word, the average, the normal, the trend. Um, so that's quite interesting. I thought that it goes so high and then. Again, crashes so low. Um, a similar time. Um, well, it's use it, It's other, it's related words, things like cookery, which I mentioned earlier. Um, first known use is quite ambiguous between some get some saying 14th century, some saying uh, date specific dates like 1708, and like I said before the uh, specificity of the date uh, really leads me to believe that we can trust it but the fact that those dates 1708 and 14th century are so far apart um, maybe it's somewhere in the middle um, that that really seems quite unreliable Um, so that's cookery and that is my word of the month culinary (laughs) culinary Now I'm going to answer my first four questions on the topic of food, asked and answered in Spanish, and these are ¿Qué es tu comida favorita? What is your favourite food? ¿Qué país te gustaría visitar para la comida? What country would you like to visit for the food? ¿Qué comes durante las fines de semana? What do you eat at the weekend? And... Qué comes en tus vacaciones? What do you eat on your holidays? So first, qué comida es tu comida favorita? Mi comida favorita ahora es manzanas porque son buenas por mi salud. Pero la semana pasada mi comida favorita fue hamburguesas porque son mejor que algún que me chamoría si lo no se debe. Ahora me encantan manzanas porque son buenas por mis dientes, aunque son muy acídicas. Pero me gusta el jugo de las montanas en la mañana, pero no me gusta en la noche. Me gustaba comer las verduras, pero no me apoya eh, porque quiero por mi cara. Porque ser un poco gordo no es una cosa mala. ¿Qué país te gustaría visitar para, com- para la comida? Me gustaría visitar los Estados Unidos para su comida porque todo es grande. Aunque creo que será muy gordo cuando me traigo a mi casa. En el futuro, pienso que voy a visitar muchos países. Pero quizás no comeré su comida porque puedo... es Detestar mucha comida. ¿Qué comes durante los fines de la la semana? Normalmente, eh, en los fines de semana, ir al centro comercial porque tiene, tiene muchos restaurantes y puedo comer la comida del mundo. Especialmente la comida de los Estados Unidos. Porque es muy barato y rápido pero no es bueno por tu salud. A veces voy a un restaurante italiano, pero arriba todo me gustan las entaladas. Y los Estados Unidos y los italianos n- lo no gustan porque les gustan el pollo y el cerdo. Y no les chiflan sobre las lechugas ni zanahorias, orias, ni tomates, ni hongos. Aunque en unas pitas hay hongos. Hay hongos, y un pizza es una cosa italiana. Y finalmente, ¿qué comes en tus vacaciones? En mis vacaciones, como mucha comida, porque en el hotel hay normalmente mu- normalmente muchos restaurantes, muchos restaurantes um, gratuitos. Y cuando la comida, especialmente el almuerzo, Cuando normalmente estoy comiendo las empapadas de queso o jamón, puedo comer la comida del mundo y es gratuito, así que comer com- comería más que mi almuerzo normal, especialmente cuando es gratuito I'm going to answer three more questions in Spanish about food. And these are... ¿Qué comida no te gustan? What food don't you like? ¿Qué comida te de comer? What food would you like to eat? ¿Y qué comida es popular donde vives? What food is popular where you live? So first... ¿Qué comida no te gustan? No me gustan las verduras, aunque me gustan las frutas porque me gustan los colores de las frutas y las verduras son verdes y las verduras cual no son verdes a veces son muy caras y porque estoy soltero no quiero comprar comida cual es cara. Siempre compro en los supermercados y no compro en los mercados, especialmente los mercados en los pueblos. Turísticos. Y uh, pequeños. Mi hermana. No se gustan los caramelos. Pero creo que. Quiere ser delgada. Y. Ella es delgada. Está delgada. Y. Creo que. Creo que. Si come los caramelos. Será gorda pero conoz lo conozo es, fa- es es falso. Tú suena a- no va a escucharme. ¿Qué comida te gustaría comer? Me gustaría comer la comida del país de China, pero creo que no es bueno por mi salud porque usan mucho de aceite en su comida y será gordo porque normalmente como mucho. Sin embargo Conozco es malo por mi salud y mi corazón, especialmente. La atiete el dieta, eh, haceré, me hacer me hace me hace gordo, es una fuerte mente. ¿Qué comida es popular donde vives? Donde vivo, la gente se gustan los pescados y las frutas, especialmente los pescados, eh, cual son blancos, pero también se gustan eh, atún, porque al ekin este es muy bueno, eh, por su salud. Salutes, pero también usan un tenedor soltero como Creo que este es malo, pero no puedo cambiar, cambiar los piensos de mi ciudad. ¡Qué horror! So, as this episode draws to close there's only one thing left to do and that is to cover the news story which I have found relating to food and the news story is that Expedia the uh, well known travel company has compiled a list of untranslatable food and dining words uh, and in all honesty they revealed a lot more about the country of origin than you could ever have imagined and might ever learn from any culture or history tourist book about the given destination. So what I've decided to do is uh, find some of the best examples and I'm going to go through them, I'm going to translate them um, and we'll just see what we find out. So the first uh, example is mechama, which is, and I apologise for my horrific accent, uh, that is Georgian. Um, and it translates roughly to, I accidentally ate the whole thing. So, that's continuing to eat, even when fun, and I can definitely relate to that. Um, so, if you're ever in Georgia, and you're ever accidentally eating the whole thing, you know the word is shemo mechama. The next one. Now I actually this is a Spanish word and I can say well it's it says they're untranslatable but sobre mesa would literally mean over the table and that's what it does mean. Over the table, it's a Spanish word and it means to linger at the table and continue a conversation long after a meal is finished. Um as an English po- Oh, English! Boy. As an English person, um, I can definitely relate to this, uh, but I think it is definitely more common in Mediterranean countries where they sit out and have long, long meals lasting three, even four hours. Eat, eat, and talk and drink long into the night. Um, I think that was the what. This is definitely one of the words I was least surprised about. Um, especially having studied a bit of a culture of Spanish for my exams in the past. Um, the next one is Natmad, which is night food from Danish and means the traditional food served at the end of the party before you get kicked out, they have translated it as, um, And it, I just, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say. Um, I quite like the fact that it says traditional food served at the end of a party. Um, I'm not much of a partying person, but the fact that uh, Danish people have traditions about these kinds of things really just... it, it It gives me hope for the world. Okay, so the next two are from Hungarian and German, and they are my, well... I think, apart from the last one I'm going to do, um, are two of my favourite words that they've compiled. So the um, German word is Krummelsbeck, which means grief bacon" uh, from German, like I said. And this is weight gained through overeating at a failed romance, and I'm sure out of all of the words that is probably one of them one of the words that we that the most amount of you guys out there can relate to so anytime you're going through a bad breakup and you're in germany you know the words describe exactly how you're feeling is kumarspek the next one is madalata which is from hungarian like i said and this Translate to something which doesn't necessarily explain quite well, uh, what it's actually used in context for, but it translates roughly as bird scene. Um, And this is when you take food on a picnic, but don't eat it. Um, I'm not a picnicking person, but I assume if any English person, not to be too stereotypical, went on a picnic, um, it would be in summer. You get stung by wasps, um, and you're trying to eat as fast as you humanly can. So that's not something that I can personally relate to. But if you're ever in Hungary, um, maybe you're on that you're in, you're there for a language exchange, and you're taking a picnic, but don't end up eating it. The word is madalata. And the final one, this is my actual favourite word um, of the ones that they've done. And this is um, in tradition of many Scandinavian words, um, is Kalsarikanet, which literally means underwear drunkenness, and this is drunking at home alone in your underwear. Um, so, well I'm not sure there's much I can say about that, um, but I applaud you Finnish people, um, just that is that is the true embodiment of self-confidence um so those that is a new story that expedia have compiled a list of untranslatable words and i really commend them for doing so because there are words um especially if you're from the us or the uk you might you might learn the language and you might look at it and think i have i know i learned this language And I have absolutely no idea what that means. So it's useful from that standpoint, but also just what it's revealed about those countries um, was quite intriguing. Um, So I think really the message from this news story um, is that languages are weird and wonderful things. They are unique. Um, And whatever language you're learning, whether it be a European language, an Asian language, whatever it is, um, let's love our languages for the uniqueness of them, whether you're right now, you're bogged down in conjugation or go from one vocab list to the next, um, hopeless and, well, reaching for something that can pass your exam for you. Um, it will get better. And if not, there's always kalsarik in it. So that's my advice for you today from the new story. So I've covered everything I wanted to in this episode I hope you've enjoyed listening This is the end of the first episode for February um, Yes, I hope you've enjoyed it I have enjoyed having a bit more structure um, and weirdly the having a theme for my words of the month my new story, my questions has given me um, yeah just really supported me when i've thought when i've come to words of the month before and gone well i could i could do anything really um and i think this will really help to focus um the research that i'm doing um yeah so there'll be two more episodes this month obviously not with the word of the month the words of the month being culinary uh for february um and I hope you are looking forward to the app, and cor- app slash course review that I have scheduled for next episode. This has been Life of a Polyglot, the podcast for language learners.